United States Institute of Peace, along with Sirius XM's POTUS Channel 124, now present their weekly podcast. We're joined now by Tom Sheehy, a distinguished fellow in the United States Institute of Peace's Africa Center. He examines the role of China in Africa and supports the work of the Institute to strengthen the Sud Institute, a research organization in South Sudan that promotes national reconciliation. Prior to this, he served on the USIP senior study group that produced the report, China's Impact on Conflict Dynamics in the Red Sea Arena. He is also a member of the International Advisory Council of Afrobarometer, the leading survey organization focused on gauging African attitudes towards democracy, governance, and society. He joins us now. Tom, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Mara. I'm glad that you're with us today. Listen, we've been following a lot um, globally over the weekend, obviously, and what's happening with the Wagner Group in Russia um, and, and beyond. But there has been a, and there should be an expanded focus on what the impact of our international relationships are and the global supply chain in particular. There is um, there's been some reporting, but not enough to really to comprehend and understand it. What has been the, the challenges that for the grip that China has on, on critical minerals right now? No, uh, a great question, Laura. And, and China has had a, a 20-year start on, on a lot of mining activities throughout the continent. So take uh, Democratic Republic of Congo, for example. Uh, we're all very interested in cobalt. Cobalt's an essential uh, ingredient for, for so many of the te- technologies we use. And yet China controls 15 of the 18 cobalt uh, mining facilities. There's no Western mining company uh, currently operating in Congo. And so that's become a real concern is as these minerals have gained uh, importance uh, for the energy transition, but also for everyday technologies we use, phones and, and others, other items. And so the U.S. and Western allies over the last, I would say, two years have really focused on trying to uh, get in the game uh, in a way that uh, uh, secures our supply line, but also hopefully works for the development and the betterment of, of African people themselves. What types of critical minerals are we talking about here? Like well, uh, makes car batteries? What are we thinking? Uh, people think of the bad car batteries for sure. Uh, the, the United States lists 50 critical minerals. We've got cobalt, we've got lithium, we've got manganese, manganese we've got uh, uh, graphite, uh, the whole range, and, and then some pretty exotic, what they call rare earth minerals that uh, no one can really pronounce their name and, and certainly list. And and those are, are majorly controlled by China. And, and so that's a definite, uh, a definite concern. But it's, it's everything. And, and as you know, over the last 20, 30 years, the United States has really gotten out of the mining and, and uh, mineral uh, processing business. And, and why is and, that? Well, uh, because in the United States, uh, people were not uh, happy with, with the environmental implications of mining. Mining is a... Uh, uh, challenging business in, in terms of uh, water usage and pollution and, and their concerns that people don't want mining facilities in their backyard. And so uh, we don't have the, the uh, extent of, of the mining facilities and, and even the infrastructure. We don't have the, the mining expertise that uh, we had 30, 40, 50 years ago, and that's essential. And so I think there's been a, a bipartisan recognition that we need to do more here in the United States, but it's going to take time. And, and until we, 
we get the infrastructure up here in the United States, we're, we're going to be dependent on places like Africa and Latin America and, and Southeast Asia uh, for mineral resources. How does this impact, and you've written a paper recently on this on this very notion, um, co-authored an article, excuse me, recommending that the U.S. should partner with African nations to ensure that the wealth that comes from these essential minerals actually benefit the continent's people. No, sure, Lara. Uh, listen, uh, if we're honest about the topic, we have to recognize that resource extraction in Africa does not have a a pretty history. Uh, we, we, you go back hundreds of years, even more. We've got the colonial colonial era. We've got uh, Chinese involvement. We've got uh, involvement by Western companies, and, and it hasn't been done uh, on the whole in a way that uh, is environmentally friendly, that uh, that benefits a, a swath, a, a broad swath of the African people. Often, it's led to corruption. Uh, in which elites were, were captured and, and worked in cahoots with with uh, foreign powers to extract these resources. That still continues to this day. And the other thing here at U.S. Institute of Peace, obviously, with our name and figured out, we're very much interested in the, the peace and security implications of, of resource development. Uh, the continent, unfortunately, has has suffered scores of wars with with people fighting over natural resources, and we see this to this day. So it's a it's a great challenge to develop these resources in a way that actually promotes development uh, for Africa. And, and I think there's a, a growing realization, uh, hopefully, uh, in the United States and el- elsewhere, that unless these minerals are developed in a way that it, that works to the benefit of Africans, it's simply not sustainable. And uh, investments will will uh, fail and, and we'll see all kinds of, of negative uh, implications if we don't do this right. And, and just finally, just to underscore, it is going to be a big, big challenge because again, the history it, it does not uh, point to, to future success. And so if we're going to do this, we have to be realistic and work very hard to see that we, we do it right. Is there an appetite to to do just that? I mean, obviously, there's been a lot of focus on other areas. And as you correctly point out, the historical extraction of resources is not something that is um, has always been viewed viewed through a social lens. Do you think there is an appetite internationally to focus on this in this way? It's going to be a struggle, Laura. There, there's an increased realization that it's necessary. And I think there's growing recognition uh, in the United States and Europe and elsewhere that we need to be responsible in, in how we source uh, these critical minerals. And, and so we've seen various initiatives by the current Biden administration in terms of programs and so forth. We've seen efforts to, to work collaboratively with our uh, allies uh, in Europe and Asia, South Korea, Japan, to develop, uh, to, to promote projects that develop uh, in a responsible way. But uh, again, it, it's, a, it's a very tough environment. If it had been easy to do, it would have been done long ago. And, and some, many countries in Africa lack, in, lack infrastructure, they lack strong governance, they, they suffer from corruption, frankly. And so to go into that environment and do it in a responsible way is a huge, huge challenge. And, and I think the only way we're gonna have a chance of being successful is working uh, in, in a, uh, alliance with, with other Western powers and and hopefully raise the standards. Uh, but 
We have other competitors who, who aren't necessarily committed to those standards. We mainly think of China, but there are other countries as well. And so it's it's uh, it's going to be a big effort, but we really don't have a choice because these minerals will be developed one way or the other. So I, I think it's very important that we do our best and we part, try to be part of the solution, but again, be very open-eyed in, in terms of the degree of difficulty. Tom Shingy, thank you so much for joining us today. Really important to have this insight and perspective. This podcast has been brought to you by the United States Institute of Peace and Sirius XM's POTUS, Channel 124.